I suppose you suppose I'm going to do a grandiose opening. Should I? Should I not? You've come all the way, so maybe I should. Good day. Good evening. I hope you're still taking good care of yourselves. I am pleased that you have put aside a little time to make me a part of your day. Not too many formalities. We're now four episodes in, so I feel like this is home. Or at least I'd like to believe so. Now that we've gotten to understand a little something on intimacy in relation to ourselves as individuals and in relation to our surroundings, let us attempt to understand attachment styles. Attachment is a broad topic which I really wanted to explore in an easygoing manner so as not to have us all chunking down too much info at one go. So for that reason, I've decided to divide it into three parts. We'll talk about attachment styles in infants, in children, and as well in adults. This will take place in three respective episodes. So in this specific episode, we'll look at, yes, you guessed it, attachment styles in infants. First and foremost, I want us to differentiate intimacy from attachment. Intimacy, as we discussed, refers to an interaction between people who share closeness in terms of being comfortable enough to share thoughts and feelings, right? So you want to feel understood, appreciated, and you're feeling very fond of one another. Attachment, on the other hand, has to do with a deep, enduring emotional bond between two people who seek closeness and feel a sense of security in one another's presence. Alright, so these definitions seem very similar, but an important distinction between them is that with attachment, one party who is usually the caregiver is expected, willing, or capable of providing and committing to the other party. Whereas with intimacy, both are expected and willing or capable of providing and committing to the association. This interests me so much. I feel like we need to make a vivid example to really understand the difference between the two terms. Attachment applies more to a mother and her infant. The mother is expected to and willing, well, hopefully willing, and capable of taking care of her infant. So the infant is dependent on their mother. A newborn, more specifically, is completely dependent on their caregiver. The infant is visibly not capable of taking care of themselves. I mean, they've just been born. They're really frail and delicate. Can you blame the infant for being so dependent or being so attached? No. Intimacy, I feel, applies more to a friendship, a work partnership, a romantic relationship, because in this case, both parties are expected to willing and hopefully again hopefully are capable also of putting in some kind of effort to foster the sense of intimacy so unlike an infant who is physically and biologically still vulnerable a teenager adolescent or adult is aware that in any form of relationship they ought to for example compromise listen apologize and be interdependent so can you blame a person for not doing their end of the bit Yes. Unlike an infant, they are more capable, thus they are more accountable for their actions, or lack thereof, 
I hope the point I'm trying to make is clear. So attachment can be one-sided, whereas intimacy has to be like it's a must that it runs both ways. The shortcoming with this is that some people, you know, full-grown persons, connect on the basis of attachment instead of fostering a genuine sense of intimacy. And of course, if I put it like that, there seems to be like a negative connotation at the mention of attachment. But whoa, 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 whoa. I will go into details regarding that towards the end of the episode. So before I take you on a whole different road, let's understand how people get attached. In inverted commas, that is, let's just imagine those. Let's look at attachment styles. In other words, the different ways that people form bonds or attachments. Maybe you could pick up what attachment style describes you. We need to note that there's another vital attachment theorist who was called Mary Ainsworth. And she was also at the time, basically the same time as Balby, completing her studies based on the security theory, which she hypothesized that children should acquire a good sense of dependence on their parents before being able to undertake any other external and familiar situation. So they need to depend on their parents before they're able to stand on their own two feet and take on the world. She then brought forward the strange situation, which is where she split up three types of attachment styles. And of course, the two key theorists' paths did cross. So we're talking Balby and Ainsworth. Did somebody say divine intervention? Because I heard that loud and clear. So many thoughts, so many questions. You know, we're all over the place. My mind is clearly preparing itself for a marathon. And by default, it seems you might be joining me too. As long as she keeps on feeding us with um, adventurous, yeah, we'll call them adventurous questions. Another important thing to note is that when it comes to attachments, your personal relationships play a very important role in defining the quality of your life. So yes, the people you surround yourself with could impact your life positively or negatively. That probably seems like a duh, but it's very important. Please remember that. As a recap, his hypothesis focused on explaining how infants behave towards their parent or caregiver or whoever they get attached to, really, in times when they get separated from them and in times when they'd be reunited. He believed that infants behave this way because they have an innate need for exploration. So innate basically means that they were born with it. They were sort of programmed for it, if you may. So because of this they explore they want to explore and they may come across dangers so their primary caregivers will act as their go-to for protection and security he even went on to say that the extreme behaviors we see such as screaming and crying and clinging you know things that we sometimes find a little bit annoying just a little bit Did I say just a little bit? Well, maybe a little bit more than just a little bit. These behaviors are evolutionary mechanisms that go way back. You know, these are just ways to avoid being separated from their parents. Infants will do anything to avoid being separated because it brings a whole lot of anxiety. Right. So these behaviors ensure that they do not miss out on survival advantages of being taken care of and being attended to, which they really, really, really need. 
One might wonder what really sparked Balbi's interest towards attachment. Did it just happen or did he go through a little something something in order for him to be that interested in attachment? So here's some fascinating background information about what really did spark his interest. Let's picture him, young Balbi during his university years, volunteering at a school that catered for maladjusted children. So what this basically means is that when one is maladjusted, they're not necessarily able or capable of attending to the demands that are needed for a normal social environment. So, for example, in a school, there's a certain way that one is expected to behave. So when one cannot meet with those demands, that that's when we can refer to them as maladjusted. Right, so his experience with these two children in particular were the push towards his actual foundation of the theory, which would later on basically blow up. And I mean blowing up till now, because here I am still talking about it. So what's the fuss about these two children in particular? Let's find out. One of them was a teenager who unusually preferred to be isolated and did not have a stable mother figure for the most of his life. He was deemed a bit of a delinquent at school and had gotten expelled. The other child who was deemed an anxious eight-year-old literally followed Balbi everywhere he went. Using these two children's behaviors as examples, one might wonder if this is all the mother's fault, or maybe the father's. In the early days of psychology, the answer to these questions may well have been a big fat yes. But over the years, there have been notable advancements in the field. More is known about human relationships and the dynamics of parenting and so forth. So in short, as weird as it may sound, not every problem that a child has can be traced back or should be traced back only to the mother or to the primary caregiver. There are many other factors to look at, clearly. We will make reference to John Bowlby from the previous episode again. In psychology, we could not talk about attachment and not mention Balbi. So here it goes. The attachment theory brings forward the proposal that early child-parent relationships influence consequent development. I think this is a very, very important theory. I mean, it goes as far as saying that the way that you form relations in your adulthood links to the way that you connected with your primary caregiver. That's definitely something to think about. It can even get you wondering whether you are innately programmed to get attached the way that you do. Or maybe it says more about your caregiver than you. Could it possibly mean that you cannot adopt another attachment style as you grow up? And so the saying goes, nothing worth having comes easily. So the two worked tirelessly to establish their theories, to revise them, join them, rework their hypotheses, find common ground, and after being declined, having to pick themselves up and dust themselves off. Okay, maybe that's a little bit exaggerated. The bottom line is that they were very resilient and became the leading theorists of the specific topic of attachment of their time and till today, really, if you ask me. (music) 
As for a little reflection, do you think that this is honestly so in your case? What stories were you told growing up? You know, stories about the kind of infant that you were. Do you think these correlate with the general stance of your different relationships? Very, very, very interesting. This then brings us to the second type of attachment style, which is the anxious resistant. In this case, infants show a much different behavior pattern. They seem anxious even if their mother is present, even if she's near them. But then as soon as she leaves, it's an excessive outburst, right? But then again, on the contrary, they are not necessarily comforted by her return. Some may even become more distressed when she returns or when they are reunited. This form of behavior may be confusing, even for the mother herself, but at the same time may reveal a sense of ambivalence in her own parenting, in her own bonding. She may not be as emotionally invested as she should be, probably because of other commitments, or maybe she's dealing with certain issues that hinder her from availing herself emotionally to fully bond with her baby. So as we can see, there are many reasons as to why a mother cannot be there emotionally for her child and how this affects the way that the child will respond back to her. Now we proceed to attachment style number three, which is known as avoidant attachment style. So already from the word itself, we can tell that there is a wave of avoidance. Infants who exhibit this type of attachment style tend to seek little contact with their mother and surprisingly aren't even distressed when she leaves. I imagine in the case of an infant, they would not be bothered whether their mother is present or not. Their mom may even be in the same room as them, but the infant may be focused on a shiny or rattle toy. Even if the infant has not seen their mother for, let's say, half a day, I have actually witnessed an infant almost not having any reaction to being reunited with their mother after their mother had returned from work after a long day at work. So this really, really gets me thinking. Are these innate mental models that Balbi spoke of really, really that impactful? I mean, the infant did not learn from anyone how to react to the sight of their caregiver. So these type of behaviors really get you wondering. I've been posing a lot of questions and I'm hoping that research can give us some kind of light. So here's a little something. Research does show that the mother's sensitivity and responsivity to her infant may also affect the type of attachment style that their infant may pick up. So the more responsive a mother is to her infant's needs, the more that the infant may end up with a secure attachment style, which is the first attachment style that we spoke of. And on the other hand, if a mother isn't as responsive or as consistent to their child's needs, then they may end up with the other two that we spoke of, which is the anxious and the avoidant attachment style. The infants also play an active role in how they influence their mother's sensitivity and responsivity. So let's look at the infant's temperament which can be revealed at how easy it is or how hard it is they make it to be fed, how easy or how hard they make it to bath, to be put to bed, how much they cry, all the screaming, everything. Looking at their temperament can reveal to us how responsive and how sensitive the mother is. And I also just want to put to light the difference between sensitivity and responsivity. 
So when we're talking sensitivity, we're looking at how sensitive or how able she is to pick up, how able she is to sense and detect that there's been a change or that there's something wrong or something that a baby may need at a certain point, right? And then responsivity, on the other hand, refers more to how quick she is after she has realized or after she has detected that something is wrong. So how quick she is to react and how effectively and how positively. So these are very important. Let's make an example. If um, the baby's diaper is full and the baby needs a change of diaper, how quick is she to sense that or to smell? So for example, here she would use her sense of smell. And that's sensitivity. And then responsivity is how fast she is at reacting. So will she change it there and then or will she take some time? So we're looking at things like this is a very basic example, but I believe that the point is made. So there goes that, my dear E&E family. This was the first part of the attachment styles topic, which mostly spoke on the attachment between an infant and its primary caregiver, who is usually the mother. We can see how vital that very first bond is, both for the infant and for the mother. This is more especially because, as Bowlby had hypothesized, this is the bond that is fundamental as it lays a foundation for later attachments in various relationships. But for now, I'm sure interested in the kind of attachment style that you displayed as an infant. As I noted earlier, go back and ask your parents, your caregivers, your family members about how you behaved as an infant in particular. Or maybe right now you're raising your own infant. This can help you become more aware of your infant's needs, their temperament, and how you can be a good caregiver towards them. As now we are aware that their behavior is mostly an evolutionary mechanism that has adapted over the years yet their inherent need is to be cared for and be provided with security and protection when in any unfamiliar situation and eventually they'll be able to take on the world on their own So the one thing that really sticks out for me, especially on the caregiver's part, is to be there emotionally. So a sense of emotional availability is very important, very essential, as it means that you'll be able to sustain an emotional bond with your baby. So especially for the newborns, you need to respond to their crying, you need to sing to them, maintain a lot of eye contact and hold them. They need to feel physically safe as well. So all these kind of things, all these kind of practices, as they grow up as well, the more that you respond to them the more that they feel safe so the sense of feeling safe is very important because as they step out into the world they'll be able to be independent and stand on their own two feet it's very very important to feel emotionally secure especially that these are the very first people that you're exposed to when you came onto the earth you know the mother and the father here specifically or whoever the caregiver is so emotional availability really open yourself up emotionally so that your child may feel that they are welcomed and of course, this is general advice, general on-the-surface advice from a psychology student. But if you really do feel that you need more specific information, do go out there and see a professional so that you cater to your child's specific needs because each infant, after all, is an individual and they have individual differences. Therefore, they need individual attention. I wish you all the very best. 
And just like that, we have come to the end of the episode. I usually give a preview, but I want to use this time to rather give a little heart to heart with you as this marks the beginning of the new year. I am probably the trillionth person to say this to you, but you know, the past year has been a crazy one, to say the least. We all know the countless things that happened. We all had a a fair or unfair share of anxieties, joys, tears, feelings of stagnancy. But the bottom line is that you are here right now listening to me and I am here right now speaking to you. I think we can all agree that we are grateful for life itself. Not only did we get to know more of the kind of world we live in, but we learned a few things about ourselves, I hope. Therefore, I hope that means that we can be kinder to ourselves and give ourselves a little bit more of love. Actually, no, what the heck, a lot more more of love in capital letters. I really, really do look forward to hearing from you and all about your attachment styles or any other general comments or questions that you may have regarding the podcast. And speaking of the podcast, the Anchor app that allows me to record this podcast allows for voice messages. So you can go ahead and click on the voice messages option in order for you to send me anything really that's on your mind. I look forward to hearing that. And also, if you do not use the Anchor app or use any other platform, you can check out my social media that will give you the link of uh, the voice messages where you can find me and send me any voice messages or just reach out to me on social media i'm on instagram and on facebook all my details are on the anchor app and i look forward to hearing from you once again from express and encompass from me to you not only is it okay to express yourself but it is essential thank you for listening